What I'm saying, we have a responsibility, a social responsibility, and that's what's not being talked about. We have a responsibility as people in society, not people above society or away from society, who people are hipper than society, you know what I mean? But people in society whose job is to articulate life and to try to transform it. It's Thought Leader Thursday. Thought Leader Thursday on Metro FM Talk. The man is here in studio and uh, yeah, you know, this is the guy who was uh, shortlisted and interviewed for the Deputy Public Protector position in uh, 2019 and I'm also going to be asking him about that. But what we want to find out today is uh, we want to get into the headspace of the man. We want to we understand Buang Jones, the man, not Buang Jones, uh, you know, the, the voice that you might sometimes hear on the radio or the face that you might see on the television. But uh, we want to understand what drives Buang Jones and uh, more importantly, what are some of the things that he holds close to his heart uh, and how that then influences the kind of work that he does. Buang, who's that, my brother? I know him not in you. Ah, kishap, Morena. Kishap, kishap. Bariki buwa, skosa. Eish, eish, eish. Kutuan, gusutu kai nizindo. Bariki buwa skosa tata. That's what they say. That's what they say. How are you, my brother? Um... I'm good, and you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Buang Jones, um, the man. Who is Buang Jones? Where did you grow up? And yep. uh, more importantly, how did you get into this world of law? I mean, you could have been a commercial lawyer, but why did you want to do the kind of law that uh, interfaces with human causes and human interests? Yeah, Buang is an easygoing guy, um, very driven and very ambitious. Um, I'm from Bloemfontein. That's where I honed um, my legal skills. Mm. I, because of the persistent lack of amenities where I grew up, mm. um, I think that's what um, drove me to um, enroll for a law degree at the University of the Northwest. That was my first stint, and then I moved on to UNISA. Mm. That's why I completed my LB degree, my LLM, and I went on to study other things at Gibbs. And um, I've been in the human rights space now for um, almost 12 years. Mm. I worked uh, for Legal Aid South Africa. I was a criminal attorney before. Um, but I, I find human rights work um, much more fulfilling. Mm. And um, But, but I mean, Buang, surely in, in your experience, uh, you would have interacted, and, and I like the point you make that you worked for Legal Aid at some point in the criminal space. Yep. You would have interacted with many of the people who, in some cases, could have potentially grown up around you. And their access or lack thereof to justice, right? Because also even that is not something that's free in post-apartheid South Africa. How did that land on you and what kind of imprint did that leave you with? Yeah, um, a a lot of people, um, because of prohibitive legal costs, still cannot access justice. Mm -hmm. And I happened to, yeah, um, to work for for Legal Aid South Africa and I used that as a platform to... Mm -hmm. um, to advocate for the rights of those who cannot defend themselves, those who cannot afford the means to um, afford uh, the uh, legal practitioners who work in for private law firms, and um, I think 
because my my life really has been uh, my christian life that is uh, mm. has also been a, a pillar in that i have always uh, seen this uh, project called buang as someone who is saving god mm. through the work that he does sure yeah. sure sure i want us to pause there for a second when we come back let's talk about your faith um let's talk about uh, I guess the kind of role that that plays in your own life and, yeah. and in what you prioritize and what what inspires and moves you um, and then uh, we'll come back uh, at some point to to some of the work but as i said we're talking to buang jones the man today we're not talking to uh, buang jones the kind of person you would hear in the news bulletins we're trying to get into the mind space of the man it's thought leader thursday and this evening we are, we, have, we are in conversation with the provincial head of the south african human rights commission buang jones i'd love to hear from you give me a ring on 089-110-3377 and we continue on the other side what i'm saying we have a responsibility a social responsibility and that's what's not being talked about we have a responsibility as people in society not people above society or away from society who people are hipper than society you know what i mean but people in society whose job is to articulate life and to try to transform it it's thought leader thursday thought leader thursday on metro fm talk it is indeed, and 17 minutes it is before 9 p.m. I'm in conversation with the uh, provincial head of the South African Human Rights Commission, Buang Jones, and uh, we're talking to him uh, about uh, his own journey, his passion for social justice, and uh, on this Thursday, he is our thought leader. And uh, Buang, just before we uh, went to the break, you started to highlight uh, how big a role, I guess, uh, you know, God plays in your own life and uh, how, how important your faith is uh, to whatever decisions you make and uh, more importantly to the things that drive you and move you. Yes, um, I used to serve as a lay preacher um, in Bloemfontein. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. Do you still preach? Um, well, I'm still looking for a church in Jobek. Okay. I, I moved to Jobek three years ago. Okay. I think Tuma produces a show on Sundays. Uh, <laughs> so I think you must talk to him <laughs> after this conversation. <laughs> And then Batofa, Batofa segment, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah um, and I was very active in many um, civic structures. Um, mm. I was growing up and I, I, I guess all these values um, pushed me to where I am today. Mm, yeah. mm. And, and I mean, just talk to me about, uh, uh, you know, at the age of 35, I mean, you, you've certainly seen a lot. Uh, in post-apartheid South African life and uh, some of the things that have been brought before uh, the Human Rights Commission in particular. And uh, you've had the fortune to be at the center of many of them. Um, And I want us to maybe touch on a few that have happened in the Free State, which is where you're from. Uh, One in Fixburg uh, being the death of Andri Stadane, which I think also in my own life was was a major politicizing moment. Uh, But in addition to that, also another key politicizing moment for me was also what happened at the University of the Free State, that rates incident. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm not even going to go into the horrid details of that. Yep. But talk to me about what those two incidences for you um, as a lawyer and as somebody who, who grew up in the Free State. Um, you know, wh- how did those things land to you? But also, more importantly, how did it make you see your own professional duty? Um, the Antristotani matter, um, yeah, it's something that really... Uh, changed uh, uh, my, my perception um, um, about local government mm. and about service delivery. 
because prior to this incident, we had um, successfully intervened in one town in the Free State um, called Filiunskron. There was a, a, a saga prior to the local government elections uh, where the, the, the municipality in Kaka had um, erected unenclosed toilets mm. for, for, for residents. And we, we felt that we needed to do something as the South African Human Rights Commission to restore the dignity of the Tatane family and to secure appropriate redress for them. And I, because before the commission, we, uh, we, we call it liberal human rights. Mm. We, we, are n we are not the activist type, mm. you know, we, we, we play an advisory role to government, mm. but we also, you know, can bite when you want to. Mm. It's very gentleman-like uh, politics. Uh, huh? Yes, yeah. but but my my my, my kind of uh, uh, human rights is more. Um, I'm more of an activist than just a human rights defender mm. who's just sitting behind um, a laptop in the office. Mm. But yeah, the race incident. I mean, we we know uh, about structural racism at the individual of the free state. And I think it was a manifestation of that. Um, mm. And I, I think that um, changed the, the, the university. Um, mm. And I don't think um, it has, there has been any significant improvement at the university because there, was, there were issues of integration mm. and there are still issues of integration at the University of the Free State. As we speak, I don't think uh, Professor Janssen achieved much um, because a lot of uh, black students will tell you about their plight. Um, even during the fees must fall mm. where where we assisted them and i, I don't think we've successfully um, addressed the issue of mm. racism particularly in the free state yeah i like the point you make about structural racism because in my view structural racism is fundamentally different to someone you know calling me the k-word on the street or somebody uh, you know treating me differently because of my race it has a lot more to do about the configuration of space it explains why an alex sits opposite a Santon, which is the richest square mile on the continent of Africa. Yep. Um, in your view, I mean, uh, firstly, do you think we've done enough as a country to deal with that? But also, secondly, what becomes the role of an institution or a constitutional uh, you know, creature of statute like the Human Resource, uh, sorry, the, the Human Rights Commission in confronting structural racism? Because I think it's easy to take a Vicky Momberg and put her in jail. It's easy to take a Katavelos and, you know, put them in jail. It's something entirely different to speak about the configuration of space and how that f breeds structural racism. Yeah, this year marks the 25th year anniversary of the South African Human Rights Commission. Mm. And I think we are going to have this kind of conversations to really candidly reflect on mm. the role that we've played in strengthening democratic governance in South Africa and in fostering uh, constitutionalism and public understanding of human rights. And I don't think we've really... Um, uh, aggressively dealt with issues of structural racism mm. because if we had done so, we we we, we wouldn't ha have associations like the Black Lives Association. We wouldn't have black professionals who have their own um, org organized uh, 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 formations mm. to uh, to to deal with issues of transformation. I don't think we've really done enough, particularly in the private uh, uh, private in private corporations because. Much more, much, much of our focus has been on state actors, mm. but we haven't really paid attention on the economic injustice mm. that uh, continues to plague this country as we speak. Mm. In your view, um, how complicit has our state in all its manifestations, national, provincial, local, and even at a much sort of more micro level, 
in your view, do you think the state has been complicit in in this continuation of structural racism? Yeah, the the, the state has been complicit. I think we, we haven't really dismantled the apartheid economic structure. Mm. We we haven't really uh, dealt with the 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 underlying causes of of poverty and um the the people still feel marginalized mm. um people in many communities that i've been to um are resigned to living in in squalor and people don't know how to really um claim and assert their rights and they, they are always expecting government to um to do things for 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 for, for them and, and yet they don't know that they can um hold government accountable you don't mm. even have to come to the human rights commission mm. but uh, there has to be active public, public participation in governance processes even at the local government uh, level mm. at at that level uh, because i mean i don't know if your offices are still there in pram, pram park somewhere yes yes Kingdom. we still yeah. um but but at a local level if i if i'm in caltonville or western area or whatever um is there any interface or touch point for me to interface with the human rights commission or you know funan quality in this upper pramfonde that has been the challenge um that we do not have institutional presence mm. in far flung areas in peri urban communities sure. we o- only have one provincial office per province mm. and and yet um our sister constitutional body um the public protector has two offices per per province mm. they have regional offices uh, and it's something that really government uh, or, i mean uh, parliament needs to look into how do we strengthening how do we strengthen constitutional bodies to ensure mm. that they can effectively deliver on their respective mandates mm. why do you think we've always uh, or, or many i guess successive administrations have seen these constitutional bodies chapter 9 structures as just rubber stamping or or even in some cases you know i, I mean I was, you know kuma was saying to me yesterday many of us don't know who the public protector was before tulima tunzel you know uh, and maybe that's not to say you know lawrence mushwana was was a really bad public protector no i i mean i don't know but i'm saying you know he didn't take the mantle and go into the public space in what in essence is a public facing function and say here i am this is the kind of work that i'm doing and i'm going to be vocal about it would you say the same about uh, uh, the structure and uh, the organization you lead well we i mean if you look at what we've done in the last couple of years um we, we are much more visible than mm. before and we have um taken on important high impact and strategic cases on mm. behalf of um people a- and there there has been a shift there has been a shift and i i think um, much more can still be done um to improve on how we 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 discharge our mandate mm, mm. let's talk about discharging that mandate uh, in instances where it gets you on a collision course with uh, government um, and i want us to talk about the alex renewal project but before we do that uh, i want you to take a listen to this uh, briefly and uh, it might even foreground what it is that we're going to be talking about 
as the organizers here of this particular protest, what do we mean here by some of the practical solutions that we're looking for? On street corners all over Alex, I mean, you find rubbish dumps piling up. You know, at some stage, rubbish in Alex was collected, like more or less on a daily basis. Now, seven days will go past without rubbish being collected. All entrances of Alex, I can assure you now, must be stopped. Everybody must share in the difficulties that we have in Alex. I wish on that day must be hot so that the rats can come out, so that we can share them with the count. Ayobonga Tawe on Metro FM Talk. What do you make of that? Um, in the context of what it is that you guys had to look at, which was whether or not the objectives of the Alex Renewal Project were actually, in the end, achieved. And yet, if you listen to that, people people speaking about refuse not being collected in Alex. Um, and so in many ways, you became the face of that because uh, I understand you instituted that inquiry, but it got you on a collision course with many politicians within the province, uh, some of whom actually come from Alex. Yes. Um, I, I remember last year telling friends that uh, I've become an undesirable person um, in Gauteng. Persona non grata. Persona non grata. Mm. Even when I left Free State, it was also because I had, yeah, at ruffled feathers. I hope um, you don't emigrate now after this, Papa. Uh, well, I... Don't emigrate. You're in New Zealand, Baba. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the issue of Alex um, is receiving attention. We'll, we will release a report, but mm. um, the information we, we have gleaned thus far points to um, basically uh, failure on the part of um, the city of Johannesburg um, to provide uh, basic municipal services. Um, there's just um, uh, lawlessness, and we 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 really hope that the report uh, will provide um, mm. some lasting solutions and 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 help, and help government. And of course, the manner in which we discharge our, our mandate um, sometimes receives mm. a lot of criticism, and we've made a lot of people uncomfortable, particularly mm. those in government. Mm. And uh, and that's how it should be because yeah. we are strengthening democratic governance and we sh- there should be checks and balances and we should hold those in power accountable. And um, government or the state uh, is enjoined in the constitution mm. to protect, to promote, to fulfill, to respect and to uphold mm. uh, the, the, the Bill of Rights. And we are just... Um, there to ensure that government sure. fulfills its human rights obligations. So, so what explanation is given to you? Because, I mean, you're right, the, the, the Constitution enjoins uh, government in some form or the other to ensure the progressive realization of some of these rights. Yep. And yet, you know, it's easier in, in many of the rural provinces to say, yeah, okay, we can't take water to Ntozuma because uh, uh, just delivering there would come at a considerable cost. There's all manner of sort of uh, uh, density issues that would make it a very costly exercise. So we'll do it slowly. But if on the other side of the highway, I can see that the roads are being fixed, the refuse is being collected, the, the taps have water running through them, the lights go on. And then on the other side, just behind Weinberg, which is an industrial area, you can't deliver the same. What, what explanation do they give you? Because certainly to my mind, it's a, it's a very, um, I guess, baffling paradox. Well, they haven't proffered any reasonable explanation. Mm. The only explanation, well, excuse we've had is that because of internal mi- migration and migrants from Southern Africa wow. and other parts of the world that come mm. to South- uh, uh, Joburg to, to look for opportunities, that they, they, they have not been able to cope with um, the inward migration into mm. uh, uh, Joburg. So, 
I, I, I don't know, uh, but we hope that um, our report will assist mm. um, uh, in uh, helping government to sure. finding uh, lasting solutions because yeah. we, there, there, are, there are a lot of Alex. I mean, uh, Clip Town, for example, mm. people still live in Squal and Clip Town. Um, there are other parts of the, uh, of the country where people still live in abject poverty, live in. Um, uh, in degrading conditions mm, mm. and uh, you know just just before we let you go Buang, unfortunately we are running out of time uh, i want us to talk about something that is a bit more recent i mean we saw you uh, on the televisions uh, you know uh, walking through um, you know very long grass and tall grass and uh, in an area there in the northwest in brits uh, with the family of uh, 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 the young man the enoch and Bianzi. Um, talk to us about uh, you know how that approach happened uh, and more importantly what role you are going to provide in uh, providing assistance and support for the family? Yeah, a lot of people are, uh, are not aware that the commission can enter any premises with or without a warrant. Mm. And people thought I was pushing in the envelope and I'm not pushing the envelope. Um, we were acting within um, uh, the, the law and we will continue to provide assistance to the mm. family. We we're there to ensure that the family finds closure mm. and as Africans we know what happens when uh, you have a, a loved one who has lost their life mm. and they had to go there and do those things and face uh, the spirit uh, yes. and it's mm. it, it said that uh, a lot of people did not um, understand that and in fact we had to limit our inspection in local to just that because we we we, we, we had to stand outside for approximately two hours mm. Um, mm. Uh, we're trying to have a constructive interaction with the uh, the, the, the owners but yeah um, it's a pity we, we had to resort to, mm. To, mm. To, to to those measures which were within the law Buang Jones what do you do uh, what does a normal day look like for you when you're not uh, you know uh, uh, interrogating uh, uh, politicians and uh, uh, state officials or kicking down farm gates. What, what what do you do? Well, I'm making you sound like a like an action hero here, but uh, <laughs> I think in many ways you are. Yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm just a simple guy. I yeah, just, I'm just. Chilled. What does life look like, man? What do you do for fun? For fun, yeah, I mean, mm. I, I go out with the boys. Okay. I okay. I hang out with with friends. Um, I love road trips. Um. I go to church and uh, I love hiking. Okay. So th that's what I do. And hopefully one day when I meet my significant other, mm. we can do other things. Awesome stuff, man. Yeah. Awesome stuff. I think you must join the hiking club. It's certainly, I've heard, it uh, does wonders to open the mind. So, recruit. So, do certainly. And uh, he's going to be joining uh, that group there, the hiking group. It's 9 p.m. And uh, Buwang, thank you very much, my brother, for your time. Really appreciate that you could join us this evening as our thought leader for our thought leader Thursday. And uh, that's where we're going to have to leave it. The man with the music is already here. And uh, we're going to leave you with him and his soulful sounds. Uh, Sentless with you from 9 to midnight. You have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. It's where you're at.